Hello, and welcome to the Blaze Experience. You're coming in to talk some more Sea of Thieves with us. Today this is episode 10, and our main topic today is going to be PvE and Sea of Thieves. So we're going to talk about some of the tips and hints that you can use in PvE that will help you when dealing with the environments. We're going to talk about the enemies you're going to face, which there aren't a ton in the game right now, but we'll talk about the ones that are there right now. We're also going to talk to our guest about how he started his community, and then we'll get into some of the things that will help with the trading companies in the environment. So we'll just go through those, but without further ado, I will introduce our guest. Our guest is the leader and founder of the Viperian Dynasty. Ahoy! How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's actually my birthday today, so... Well, happy birthday. We can celebrate on the podcast, so... Absolutely. <laughs> but how are you feeling about the game? Oh, man, I'm I'm loving it. Uh, I think it has a lot of potential and just starting, you know, and I feel like a lot of people are giving it a lot of, a lot of bad commentary, you know, a lot of negativity right. going on with the game. I feel, you know... It just started. I think it's more about the player experience, but I mean, we'll go into that here. So, yeah, definitely. And I think with the new content that's coming, it's only going to get better too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, the real kicker is when you get Pirate Legend, which will take a while. But I mean, once you get there, I think it'll it's worth it. Be flushed out, and that's the cool thing for a lot of us is a lot of us that are taking a slower time to get to it. Once we get there, by the time we get there, I think there's going to be more content at Legend. So, Absolutely. So it does kind of sink for the people that got there early because there's not a lot of content right now. But mm -hmm. for the most of the population, by the time they get there, there'll be more content there. Oh, yeah, and for sure. And, um, you know, as, as we go forward with the game, you know, and all the stuff they're adding in, they're going to be adding in events, which will make it easier to get to Pirate Legend and, uh, you know. Definitely. I can't wait for those events. And there's going to be more trading companies eventually and things like that. So that would oh, be yeah. really nice. For sure. But we did mention that you are the founder of Viperian Dynasty. So you want to talk a little bit about how that started? Yeah, absolutely. So I come from, you know, multitude like clans and groups, you know, when I was a kid on 360 and stuff. And the most recent one I was in, I'm not going to say names, but I didn't get along with their leadership just because I didn't agree with their intentions. And so I kind of got removed from it. Uh, I didn't have any friends or anybody on Xbox. I was just kind of, you know, by myself playing Destiny 2 right. uh, when Destiny 2 first came out. So I gave it a couple weeks because I was just so, like, spiteful. And uh, after a couple weeks, I realized, hey, I can probably make something happen. So I started a little Destiny 2 clan. Um, you know, the only way I could recruit people is LFG. Um, other clans had a couple weeks start on me because I waited so long. And uh, so I just posted on LFGs and was like, Hey, I'm carrying people through raids, through nightfalls, you know, stuff like that. And it caught momentum because people started, you know, uh, there's a difference between being a leader and a boss, you know, and I was that leader right. and people were uh, looking up to me because they're like, well, he's really good at the game. He's helping us out. He's teaching us the raids. 
um, people started stepping up. And the first clan maxed out to a level 6, which is the max on Destiny 2, got 100 members and made another one. That one did the same thing, and then so we had to make a Discord, because if you know anything about Destiny, there's only one clan chat you know, per clan. We can't have the, both clans talking to each other, so we had to figure out a way of communication. The Discord was that route we needed. People started wanting to go on other games, and so we created a system for that, and uh, here we are. Yeah, so, that, that definitely <laughs> sounds like a nice story. So Yeah. And yeah, for sure. how has it developed now? Like, what are you actually up to for membership? Uh, for membership, I'm now standing at 330 members uh, in four months, which is... That's a lot, yeah. Yeah. it's uh, I definitely didn't see that coming from a small Destiny 2 clan, for sure. And, you know, now we play Sea of Thieves and, you know, all sorts of games, so... And do you think... Destiny 2 is what really took it off, or did you see like a spike at a certain point after that? I would say our biggest spikes, definitely Destiny 2. That's where a lot of our guys came from. Right. But I would say Monster Hunter World was a big one when that came out. Rainbow Six was a good one. Uh, I mean, even though that title was already out. But Sea of Thieves, the most recent, uh, that's definitely boosted our numbers by quite a bit. Uh, especially with, uh, you know, you know, I have a friend that's helping me with uh, leading it. Yeah, I know that's how I find the communities with Sea of Thieves, so I didn't know about yeah, it until Sea of Thieves. For sure. But what is kind of like your vision that you have when you actually started this? Like, did you just want it to be a Destiny 2 clan, that's it? Or did you have like a bigger vision in mind when you started it? Um, When I first started it, I kind of just, I was in that like underdog phase. I was... um. I was like, I'm going to prove people wrong about me. You know, I was like, right. I'm going to show them what I'm really capable of. You know, I can do this on my own. You know, it was just kind of that that vengeance phase, I guess, which is really nerdy. <laughs> but um, as it as it took off, uh, I started growing more attached to it and I started coming up with a newer vision. I was like, you know, forget all that resentment that I have. That's not the point. And I started realizing like, right. I wanted to bring people together. The goal now is just, you know, there's people that, you know, after work or after school, you know, uh, like they get bullied in real life or um, they're just going through a hard time. And they just want to get on Xbox and they just want to play, you know, video games to have fun. Uh, but a lot of people don't have people to play with or they have to go to LFG and play with some random 12 year old, you know, and right. I'm trying to fix that. I want to create like a sincere you know positive community with no drama um to where people can just sit down have fun and help each other you know and uh i think we're on that right track um we definitely have a lot going for us and so um you know it's it sounds really weird but i feel like in a sense i'm kind of making you know the world a little a little better you know, for some people. Yeah, definitely. I think for people, like you said, sometimes they just need an outlet to actually talk right. to someone. And this kind of gives them an outlet to do that. So uh, absolutely. And I also noticed, too, that you have like different contests and events going on at times too to kind of get the community behind the discord more. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's one thing I've, I've been trying to push. And uh, 
is I'm trying to host events and contests and stuff just to keep people engaged, you know, uh, keep people happy. Um, obviously, I know I can't make everybody happy, but uh, that's, you know, the goal is to have fun, so. Right, definitely. And I think it being a gaming community, like, there's always going to be more games, so there's always a different game to actually incorporate other people, so you always have room to grow, I think, with this. Yeah, for sure. But speaking kind of on along those lines with, like, other games, how do you kind of determine what games are sort of taken up by the community? Like, do you decide, okay, we're going to have a channel for this game because it's a big game right now, or do you kind of get feedback from other members that they want to talk about this game or play this game? Uh, so the way we have a system for that right now, you know, it, it started out with just people coming to me, like I said, they were like, hey, I want to do this on this game. I'm like, have fun, you know, show me what you got. I always used to send that uh, that Rick and Morty meme uh, of that giant face where he's like, show me what <laughs> you got. I used to send that every time somebody would tell me they wanted to start something. Because like, why to deny creativity, you know? But right. I mean, now we're in a more professional stage. And so what I have to do is I have to... um you know, give people like a task in order, you know, they have to achieve that task in order to get what they want because we can't just have, you know, just random people leading, you know, like groups of three people and, and not going anywhere because the goal is to reach out to as many people as we can. So what we've done is now if somebody wants to start something, if they bring me five new people that join the discord for that particular game, and they're like, look, I want to do this. I will tell them, yes, go ahead. You know, like, awesome. Uh, because I think, in my personal opinion, that's a good start. And obviously, I'm a great recruiter. So I normally tend to hop into games that need help and uh, help them recruit. So, Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's a good system. I mean, is that kind of how Sea of Thieves came about? Like, did someone just approach you and say... I want to, you know, do some CSE stuff, and they brought you a couple members. Uh, once again, I'm not going to name names, uh, just because keeping the whole confident, you know, confidential stuff right. going. Um, but my friend, uh, well, actually, it's it's a really weird story. Um, back when I was a kid, I used to play uh, a Transformers game, and he was the leader of a clan on that game that I tried getting into, which ironically, I didn't make it in. <laughs> so uh he actually we found out you know i was wanting to start a fleet for sea of thieves before you know what was really going to be about um i figured like i wanted to have an army of ships and i wanted them all to go to like one island and drop all our resources off and split the gold evenly and me get like a 20 percent cut right so that way like you know i can be a i can be jewish with with my uh with my chest um no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I met another guy uh, again, you know, uh, that the leader dude or whatever I told you about. We ran to each other and he wanted to just do something for Sea of Thieves. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to start the uh, uh, fleet on there and stuff. And so I messaged him and we started talking and we started realizing, you know, we see eye to eye. And I was like, you know what, dude? Like, you want to do this? Like, let's let's do this, you know? And he's like, bet. And so we did it. And so here he is, um, you know, leading a fleet for our group. 
And I believe the person you're speaking about has already made it to Legend, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he is one of the, I want to say, 2% of the Xbox community. That's yeah, so that's definitely, he definitely grinded for that. So Yeah, uh, I remember on day one, uh, he knew he wasn't going to get any views, but he decided to uh, do a 24-hour stream of your Sea of Thieves on day one. And he stayed up for 24 hours, went wow, to bed crazy. for three hours, got back up, played 20 more hours. And like this guy, you know, I couldn't have done it with him and, you know, the rest of the people that, like yourself, you know, that have joined and uh, helped to make it what it is today. So um, hopefully, you know, we'll get like a guild system in the future, you know, or like a like a fleet system to where we can make our armada and we can uh, rule the seven seas. So, yeah, definitely. And kind of like you said, too, basically how I found it is. Mr. Noobs, who had his channel, he joined his channel into Viperian Dynasty, and I didn't really know anything about it at that point. So I don't know if you want to talk about like how that interaction goes, where like you kind of incorporate other communities, maybe. Oh yeah, so you know, considering how big you know our group is right now, and like the the just the momentum that we were having at the time for Sea of Thieves, um. I started looking at other groups, like smaller groups. Right. And I messaged a lot of them, you know, because I wanted to see what their plans were. And it was the kind of same deal with me and, you know, that friend of mine. And so I messaged noobs and I was like, hey, you know, I got this going on. You know, you got a small Discord. What if you, you know, you merge your Discord into ours? I gave you a really high position and, you know, uh, we give your members, you know, not only more people to play with on Sea of Thieves, they gained more people, you know, to play on um, other games as well. You right. Know? Just, you know, have more to do, uh, more friends, you know, uh, an expanded family, if you will. And he agreed to it. And, uh, you know, you guys joined in and uh, that's how I met you. And I think it really worked out for all of us. Um, I know Noobs right now is a little fickle. Um, can't really figure him out. But, uh, I mean, everybody else has stayed so far. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it worked out great. Because, I mean, I met a bunch of new people that love the game. And, you know, kind of the same on your end, too, I think. For sure. Yep. And are you kind of looking at, like, say someone listens to this has one of those smaller discords are you kind of looking to do that interaction more in the future where you kind of join together uh yeah i've i've been trying to do that some people aren't you know for the whole idea of going into a bigger discord just because a lot of people have that sense of pride and they like to right. you know own their own discord you know they they don't think about their members or you know the the quality they just think about um you know themselves and it's a shame but it's something i've i've ran across several times and you know we've been offered partnerships a bunch and i've always turned them down uh because i believe that we can really you know reach out to more people on our own and uh you know it is what it is man so gotta just gotta keep trying to reach out in our own way yeah, and I think that's definitely a good way to go about it. For sure. 
But you mentioned earlier when you're talking kind of the leading versus like being a boss. So do you want to talk about like how it is leading the community and how you approach that different than like say a boss? Yeah. So like in other groups that I've been in, you know, there would be, you know, like a person behind the scenes, somebody you would never meet, you know, somebody that was just, you know, I didn't really have a presence anywhere. It was just people were like, oh yeah, you know, he, he started it. Uh, you know, he, he was basically the dude behind the desk doing paperwork. And, you know, while I do, a lot of the paperwork per se um i always try to make a presence in everything you know like i said i help other you know like our divisions or the games we play i help them recruit i always try to hop into random games and just you know play with people like on destiny 2 sometimes like it's uh you know it's crazy you know it's we got another friend of mine that's running that and uh, I would just, you know, join his, um, join his game and he's leading a raid by himself, you know, and I just joined to say, Hey, and play with him and, you know, get to know people. But really, man, um, a boss is just, you know, somebody that just sits behind, you know, the organization and, you know, gets to profit from it and, you know, just treats it, undervalues it really. And a leader is somebody that steps up and, you know, just pulls pulls the weight with the rest of the group you know like steps in the front and uh you know is like follow me you know like we're gonna do this together because that's it's a community you know it's not a right you know that's yeah no i definitely agree with a lot of that and i think kind of like you say you know basically a founder i think a lot of times you find where a founder just is kind of out of the way and you don't ever actually see or hear from the founder and they have kind of I guess, sort of like a figurehead that you actually do see. So yeah. it, it is nice intermingle and you actually have the same with the same person because then mm -hmm. it means even more where the founder is actually visible. Yeah, because like, you know, members are like, oh, wow, you know, like he graced us with his presence, you know. <laughs> right. So, you know, I I always try to hop in and stuff. And it, it's crazy because I have people like when I join games, they call me like, sir, or like, um, <laughs> like, your majesty or lord or whatever and i'm just like guys <laughs> i'm just a dude like you humble beginnings yeah, <laughs> so but at least you actually get that sort of respect because i mean like the other kind of founder we're talking about where they're not ever around i mean they could actually show up like you know say once a month and people don't even know who they are they're like well who are you <laughs> so yeah exactly yeah and then then they're going to walk into the room like Eisenhower, you know, <laughs> right. And, and people are just going to be like, who's this guy? And he's going to be like, you don't know who I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I think it's definitely good what you've built so far, though, and hopefully it continues to build. I mean, do you have anything else that you want to share about the community before we move into some more Sea of Thieves? I mean, no, that's that's the basic gist of it. I mean, um, I, I don't know how we would go about you know, telling people where to find us, but I mean, literally just type in the Viperian dynasty on Google and I'm sure you'll find something. So yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about it like later in the episode when we end, but if you want to have people contact you, like say via Twitter or something like that, they could probably get an invite link from you there or something. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I could probably give them something. Yeah, definitely. I have to think about that while we're talking. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
but we'll start getting into our main topic a little bit. We're going to talk some PvE and Sea of Thieves. So basically, we had a PvP episode last time, and in this episode, we're going to talk about more of the environment and some kind of tips and tricks on how to deal with that. So one of the first things we'll get into is some of the environmental dangers you can face in the world. One of those dangers is storms, which I think is one of the bigger environmental dangers. Do you want to talk about how storms work and how they are a danger to players? Yeah, um, when you go into them, uh, if you're on the helm, uh, if you're, you know, I would say piloting the ship, driving the ship, whatever you prefer, normally the wheel starts taking a mind of its own. And it's really right. hard to control the ship. The water from the storm starts filling the ship, so you got to start bucketing a lot. And the waves can cause a lot of holes, too. So that's always an issue. So, I mean, it's it's a danger. It's best not to go on one unless you absolutely have to. I'm super ballsy, so I always take my crew in one whenever I see another ship. But, you know, if you're going to play like that, uh, really you need to have somebody always, you know, ready to... One person always on bucketing, and one person always on uh, repairs, because that's the only way you're going to live through that, so. Right, yeah, I think it kind of depends on the crew you're playing with. Like, me personally, I never really worry about it too much, because usually I'm playing with other players that are experienced. So if you're playing with experienced players, you know, the storm's not going to really matter that much to you, because if you have, say, a galleon of four people, and you're all experienced, you're going to know what to do in the storm. You're going to know, right, okay, yeah. i got to go repair, Some I people, go bail. Yeah. Right, yeah. Some people just naturally catch on, and it's just like, bam. Right. But, you know, like, like whenever I'm in a game, or like with my group, you know, when I, you know, like, hey, you know, join me, and I don't know how they play, I normally assign tasks before the game even starts, you know, before we launch it. So um, it's just really how your crew can handle things. Yeah, definitely. And... I think for a lot of newer crews, the storm can be extremely deadly because oh, yeah. if you don't really know the mechanics of the game that much and you get trapped in a storm, you're going to not know what hits you really. So, Yeah, you're you're just kind of screwed there, aren't you? Pretty much. Yeah, I've I've seen a sleep go in one and uh, I waited on the other side of the storm, you know, just because I wanted to get the easy, you know, uh, get the easy kill. Kind of a jerk like that. And uh, he didn't he never pulled out. So, um, <laughs> maybe he sunk in there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, speaking along those lines a little bit, I think we touched on it a little bit in our sailing episode previously, but that's how storms can kind of play into your advantage tactically as well. Because if you know you can sail into a storm and survive it, what you can do is say somebody's chasing you, you can sail into a storm and then kind of double back on the other side, and they're not going to expect you to come out that side of the storm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you can definitely use it to your advantage in some cases. I mean, once again, that's that's just how you know, like how well you know your crew. If you can, if you know you can pull it off, you know, definitely try to pull it off. Yeah, I I can definitely see how that can be a tactical advantage. Um, never encountered a scenario like that yet, but I've done it once or twice where like somebody was chasing us and they didn't actually chase us into the storm. But what we did is we came out the other side of the storm where they weren't expecting us to come out. And then we already had enough distance on them to get away from them. Yeah, I, I always just try to keep the battles on the side of it because I'm, you know, I, I play pretty cautiously. So, yeah, I kind of do, too, honestly. I mean, but yeah, you fight sometimes you got to fight. <laughs> yeah, <so>. that's true. <laughs> yep. For sure. But one little aspect of storms that I didn't hear 
you mentioned yet is there also is lightning in the storm, so that can gives you some uh, damage as well. That's true, and uh, it can knock you off the boat too. It happened to me twice. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that's just one of those things you just gotta pray to the RNG gods with. <laughs> right. I mean, those those will put a lot of holes in your shit. It's almost as bad as explosive barrels. So well, I know one of the times is the worst too. Like I've had times where I'm going through a storm and I'm on the wheel. And then lightning actually knocks me out the wheel. I'm like, what just happened? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, was I, wheel. <laughs> I was um about to run down and do repairs, and the lightning strike hit me and it knocked me off the boat. And then I got ate by a shark. <laughs> Jeez. And then another time, a uh, lightning strike hit because it was actually one of those times that you know we were on the outskirts of you know the storm. I ran into the crow's nest to grab a barrel because I always play dirty and um. I tend to be the one to jump off, you know, and blow it up on the other ship. Right. Um, but a lightning strike hit me, and it blew up on our ship, and we almost died. <laughs> so, I mean, we lived through it, but... At least you survived. That's the main thing. So. Yeah, I was so salty about it. It's funny, because, you know... I mean, probably <laughs> one of the craziest experiences I've had with Storm is... It was one time, I think it was actually way back in one of the betas, even like the final beta, possibly. But it was early on, and basically, I had a crew of four people with me. We were doing some kind of quests. I think it was like gold hoarders or something like that. And somehow, I forget how, but our ship sunk. And I was, I think I got killed in the battle or something like that. So I spawned back at our ship at a different location. The other three people were still on the island. And I attempted to sail our galleon back by myself to the island to kind of have us all crew up together again. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of sailing back to that island, I got caught in a storm and sailing through that storm solo. That was just nuts on a galleon. I mean, it did yeah, not work out that well. So <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Sailing alone on a galleon is pretty rough anyways. So and then through a storm, too. I mean, yeah, that's uh. <laughs> That's um, it's pretty ballsy of you for sure, sir. I I gave it a shot. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was actually funny too because we'll talk about them a little bit more in a second. But um, especially in a storm, rocks can really be a bad danger to you. And somehow I managed to sail the galleon right through two rocks in a storm, and then I got through unscathed basically. But I almost got back to the island where the rest of my crew was. And then right before I got back to the galleon finally sunk because I just taken too much water and I couldn't actually bail it fast enough. So I was like, oh, I made it through these rocks and everything and I go down that way. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of funny, but. But kind of getting to what I said a little bit, um, rocks are definitely an environmental danger. If you're not paying attention, you can scrape the side of a rock and take a lot of damage or something. So that's one thing you really want to have someone kind of towards the front of the boat or in the crow's nest or something kind of navigating to help the person steering know if there's rocks in front of them yeah yeah in a storm being on the crow's nest is a little tricky just because uh you can easily get knocked off of it but uh i definitely see what you're saying with that uh definitely want to keep a lookout for rocks i always try to raise the cells up a little bit um you know just right so that just so that you know, the person on helm can see a little better on their own because, you know, everybody else is a little like um, frantic at that point because we're all trying to do different, you know, different things. 
Um, but yeah, it's always best to have somebody look out for other ships, A, you know, because people play like I do, and, uh, you know, they'll wait on, like, the outside of it and just wait for you to come out and just, you know, trash you. Right. Uh, I was caught in a storm and I hit a rock, and uh, the Kraken spawned on us, and we died. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think even without involving storms, though, like, I think rocks can still be a danger to you even on their own, because if you get complacent a little bit and you all just kind of, you know, are standing around waiting to get to the next island you're going to, a rock can come up on you pretty fast if no one's paying attention. So, yeah, yeah. Like, if, if you're outside the storm, like, definitely have somebody assigned to Crow's Nest because you need, like, once again, you know, ships, always ships, you know. And knowing where the rocks are, like, really, you know, giving direction to your, you know, your captain and telling them, like, hey, you know, go a little southeast because, you know, there's a giant-ass boulder in front of us, you know. Right. Sorry for the uh, the language. I don't know if you want this PG or uh, I have a mouse, so. No, that's not too bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cuss like a sailor. <laughs> But yeah, definitely, definitely keep a lookout for those rocks. I think kind of what you mentioned, too, with the crow's nest is that person, if they're in the crow's nest, they can kind of give a better direction of where the rock is and if you're going to hit it or not. Because if you're just standing on the ship itself tonight, you can't tell until it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. And you like normally there'll be, you know, like the one I always have on my ship uh, for the most part, you know, I always tell them, you know, tell me. Like, when a rock's up coming, just be like, yo, go a little starboard, you know, go a little uh, port side, you know, just like, um, just let us know which way to, to swing, because, uh, you know, I've had a couple instances to where uh, we've gotten really close and nobody said anything, so that's, if you're on Crow's Nest, you tell me, you tell me where right. that rock is. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, a lot of what we've been talking about the rocks, too, is like for galleons. I mean, I think even on a sloop, you still have to be mindful because if you're, say, especially solo, there's times where you might be checking your map table or you might be, who knows, patching a hole or something like that. And if you didn't actually check before you went down to your lower decks, you might run into a rock while you're down there. So you want to make sure you check before you actually go down there. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that, sir. I mean, obviously, if you have two people on a sloop, it's a little easier because you can have that person kind of watch out while you go down to your lower decks. But if you're by yourself, I mean, definitely plan it a little bit ahead of time. Yeah, I've only ever played on a sloop once, um, so I'm not very experienced with it besides the whole, you know, getting on one sloop and crashing into another during a port. But I mean, besides that, my experiences with sloops are um, pretty limited because I always try to go for the bigger crew. Yeah, I do enjoy the bigger crew myself, too. I mean, I've definitely played a sloop a lot more than once, but I do play on the galleon more so, I'd say. Yeah, I only played it the once because uh, when the game first opened uh, to players in uh, the United States, uh, the way it worked was um, nobody could get in a galleon, so everybody right. was stuck doing, um, you know, solos. It was pretty annoying, but... But at least it's fixed now, so... Yeah, that's true. At least it's fixed now. But getting into some more of the environmental dangers, I mean, 
this is kind of a danger that is involved in a lot of games, but there is fall damage in this game that can be really deadly if you jump off the wrong cliff. So say you're up on a high cliff on an island, you want to try and check a little bit where the distance below is because you could take some serious fall damage from that and die instantly if you're up high enough. The mechanics in this game remind me a lot of um, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker mixed with uh, Ark Survival, just a little bit. And I feel like, you know, like fall damage and stuff, you definitely want to be mindful. I mean, you can definitely take a, a decent sized drop on this game. Um, like the Galleon's Grave Outpost. I know one time, like, I fell off the top, like, where the Galleon's at in between the two rocks. I fell off and yeah. I lived. See, I've fallen off of that and instantly died sometimes. So it depends how you land, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, when I, when I always come off a ship, I always bring bananas. Um, I always bring, like, three bananas uh, just because, you know, for health and in case of fall damage and stuff like that. But everything else, you know, I keep my inventory, you know, empty. Yeah, I definitely keep bananas on you when it comes to fall damage. Definitely. I mean, that's one of the tips I was going to mention later on. Yeah. So I'll just go into a little bit more in detail, but... As you said, my apologies. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, as you said, like when you're going onto an island, you definitely want to have your inventory of supplies empty, except for a couple bananas, because you never know what's going to happen. You know, some skeletons could spawn, or yeah, um, you could find an enemy on the island you weren't expecting. Yeah, or you could have some fall damage. So I definitely agree with you that three bananas is a good way to go. But I would say keep everything else empty. That way, you can replenish your stock on the island. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, the skeletons always spawn on you once you dig up a chest anyways, so it's... Exactly. Yeah. Normally I try to have two guys go off the ship uh, when we're hunting for, you know, treasure, just for one of them to guard the dude digging around, because uh, it can get pretty nasty, so... Bananas, yeah, and I'd, I'd say especially if you have treasure on board your ship, always at least keep one person on that ship as a lookout, because it's kind of dangerous to not do that. And in real life too, man, eat your get yourself some uh, potassium, bro. It's healthy for yes. you. <laughs> you gotta eat the whole banana too, like in Sea of Thieves. You gotta eat the yes, whole the thing. whole skin. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> yep, including the tip. <laughs> but yeah, some more environmental dangers that are in the game. You also have drowning. Do you want to talk about how drowning works a little bit? Uh you die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, uh <laughs> Drowning, man, um, it depends on the scenario. I mean, sometimes it's useful, you know, if a mermaid doesn't spawn on you instantly. You know, you just dive down and die, you know. But really, basically, it's the same concept as real life. It's kind of like a pirate simulator. You know, you start going down in water, you start choking, and you die. Uh, <laughs> when... Yeah, I honestly think it's pretty realistic the way they did it, too. Yeah, I, I do, too. I think it's definitely realistic. I kind of wish your, you know, your bodies would float to the surface, because then that'd be really <laughs> that'd funny. That'd be kind of interesting, but, yeah. <laughs> um, when it comes... I mean, I think... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, like, sometimes you can't really prevent it, especially, like, if your ship sinks and you're just kind of trapped in your ship, you're going to drown. But Right. Like sometimes, man, when when like when I my ship's sinking and I'm trying to like go up, you know, I don't know which way's up <laughs> because you know the uh, the crow's nest is always like pointing down and it looks like it's swimming up, but you don't know. Yeah, I think 
for me, what drowning really comes into play the most is with shipwrecks, because with shipwrecks, you're diving down to that shipwreck and then you're going to lower decks of that ship. So I think that's where you see the drowning happen the most, where you just can't get back out of that ship fast enough. Well, what I do for that, man, uh, just bring five bananas with you when you go to shipwrecks, because when you're drowning, if you actually eat bananas, it prevents you from dying. Definitely, yeah, which that's yeah. a good tip for newer players. Yep, so there you go. Helpful tips. I think sometimes, though, it is almost unavoidable, because if you get caught on, like, say, one of the boards under there, oh, no. basically what happens is, like, as you start drowning, your stream goes blacker and blacker, and it's yeah. harder to see. So, like, if you can't really see what you're caught on, it's kind of hard to get out of there. It's like, what am I caught on? I can't really see what's yep. going on here. So, sometimes it's a little bit unavoidable at that point. But at that point, you know, you, you just you just respawn back on your ship after, you know, right. you go through the ferry of the dam. So, it's not that bad. It's just a wait. Which, actually, kind of like you said, where you're, um say, waiting for the mermaid or something. One of the tactics I've used is drowning myself on purpose, and I do this a lot to save resources. Like, say, for example, I'm on my last leg of health. It would probably take me, like, three bananas to get back up to full health. Why would I use the three bananas when I can just drown myself really quick and respawn with full health and save the bananas? Right, yeah. So sometimes I do that to save bananas, especially if we're low on bananas. I'll just drown myself and save the three bananas or two bananas, whatever it is, because there's really no reason not to do that if you have the time but kind of like the last i guess it's sort of an environmental danger it's sort of not but i kind of put explosive barrels in this category a little bit because the reason why i think they can be an environmental danger sometimes is say there's a explosive barrel on an island or something if you're around that island or around that barrel, sorry, and skeletons around there too, sometimes they can shoot that barrel and blow it up by accident and blow you up. So that's how I kind of see it as an environmental danger sometimes. Those barrels, you always want to, you know, when you see those, you know, take them to the side of the beach, you know, keep them out of, um, out of the way. Right. Yeah. And obviously if you're fighting some skeletons, you know, mm -hmm don't walk up right next to the barrel when they have guns because that's kind of a yeah. dangerous scenario. So. Yeah, and uh, sometimes, you know, like, lure them away because they're going to follow you anyways. So just, like, just keep them away from that barrel and have your, you know, your crewmate, you know, pick up the barrel and take it to the beach. That way it's not an issue in the future when you're, in, you know, engaging in battle. Cause, yeah, definitely. Unless, of course, you're trying to use the barrel to blow them up. I mean, in that case, yeah. you know, lead them towards the barrel, but stay away from it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to luring them to the barrel, it's um, a little tricky, especially if they have guns. But you always want your back face because uh, that way, you know, they can't shoot the barrel. Right. But kind of getting into some of the enemies now in the environments. Basically, there's only like four enemies right now. There will be more um, coming. Especially with the new content update, um, like the Hungering Deep and things like that, there's going to be more enemies coming. But right now, the enemies you have are sharks, snakes, the kraken, and all the types of skeletons. So let's take uh, snakes first. How do snakes kind of pose a danger to you or how count as an enemy? Uh, so snakes, man, like there's... Uh, islands are filled with them. Um, they... They like to just pounce on you after like a couple right. of seconds and it'll like cause your, it'll make you poisoned. 
uh, it will take like a huge chunk of your health away. Um, and then it becomes hard for you to see kind of like when you're drowning, you know, except right. it's all like purple and stuff. Um, but you want to be mindful of when you see them. You can always play, um, you know, music. Uh, music actually, fun tip, um, prevents them from attacking you. And so you can, you know, just walk over them. And um, I actually heard, I haven't had the chance to do it yet, but if you're on a merchant, you can actually capture snakes too. So. Yeah, definitely. It's some of the higher levels so when you get up there a little higher, but yeah. you can definitely catch your snakes. But kind of like you said, too, with snakes, I mean, you definitely want to be mindful of where they're at. I think the trickiest situation is snakes can kind of like hide in the grass or hide in bushes, especially like the green ones that blend in. So in those cases, you know, you could hear a snake, but not really see it and then you get, you know, kind of poisoned by it without actually knowing where it was. So try to be mindful of it. If you do hear a snake, but you don't see one, kind of like you said, play your music. But yeah, just getting into some of the other enemies that are involved. You also have sharks. Sharks, I think, are one of the deadlier enemies. Uh, basically, anytime that you're in deep water or anytime you're really swimming in water, you could see a shark or even a pack of sharks sometimes. And in most cases, the sharks basically can kill anyone in two bites. So that's why they're so deadly, because if you don't have, say, enough ammo on you or if you don't have the werewolf thaw on you, they can get the jump on you, give you a bite, and then one more bite and you're already gone. So sharks are definitely deadly. Yeah. Yeah, sharks you definitely want to watch out for. And um, one trick I learned is with the uh, the sword, um, you can kind of dash across the water if you have it. If you don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But, you know, one trick too is when you're trying to run away from sharks is don't try to swim above water. Swim underwater because you'll go faster. Right, definitely. And I guess, too, with sharks, I mean, if you can help it, try to, you know, stay together if possible. Because, obviously, if you have two of you, two of you is going to be able to survive a shark attack a lot better. Just makes sense, you know. And if you do have someone back on your ship, too, a lot of times it helps to have them kind of watch your back and cover you with, like, a pistol or a sniper rifle. Just as you're swimming up, like, say you're swimming up with a chest. That way you don't have to worry about the sharks. That person can kind of cover you with a sniper rifle or something. That's a yeah. good tactic. Yeah. Um, if you have a good sniper on your on your team. Because, like, if you have me, you know, my aim is that of a stormtrooper. So, it's, uh, <laughs> I'll be like, dude, don't look behind you. I can't help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, at least the shark's a big enough target that you might hit it, you know? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, the skeletons are a little smarter than the target. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of you know, about sharks. I mean, especially around shipwrecks, too. They show up a lot more. I would say if you get into a pack of sharks, you're almost definitely screwed if you're by yourself. I mean, I've had situations where I have like three sharks around me. I'm like, oh, shit, what am I going to do here? So Yeah, you got to go down Kung Fu fighting, bro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I actually had that happen once, so I actually took out two of them. The last one got me, so I, oh, I came close, no. but... <laughs> yeah. At least I came close, right? Well, you gave him the feeling of pain because you stripped away his brother and sister. Exactly. So, you know, <laughs> while you're dead, me. you know, <laughs> you're resting in peace, he has to cry about his brother and sister dying. So Poor shark. Yeah. <laughs> 
What do you mean, poor shark? He killed you. Don't have pity for that shark. Well, I killed his brother or sister. So. <laughs> wow. It's a bad cycle. <laughs> but one of the other enemies that you can find in the environment is the Kraken, which honestly, I think the Kraken is, even though it shouldn't be this way, it's probably the weakest enemy you're going to find in the world because, yeah, I mean, the Kraken, like, Unless you're a brand new player, it's pretty hard to have the Kraken kill you, honestly. Uh -huh. And, yeah, and his range, and you can just, you know, sell away. Like, like he just spawns, and then you can either sell away or just come back in. I know for most people it's, but you can just, like, um, if you kill some of the tentacles, you can just leave him. Um, he's really a joke, in my opinion. Like, even when I was brand new, I ran into him. You just, uh, just fire a cannon blunderbuss that uh, the tentacles that are really close to the ship. And, uh, yeah. Game. Uh, he yeah, can I drag mean, your people off, though. So, watch out for that. Yeah, that is kind of funny when that happens, too. Like, he pulls someone off the ship into the air, and they're like, what? what's happening? I'm in the air. So. I always have somebody try to be bait with an explosive barrel. You know, just because it's funny to watch when they get grabbed, and then you can just blow them up. You can just blow your friend up, and then it, like, takes out, like, three of the two. Yeah, that's true. I mean, kind of like you said, though, it is pretty easy. Like, basically, there's going to be a bunch of tentacles around your ship. You can use your cannons to kill them. Um, if, it's, if they're longer range, you can use the sniper rifle or your pistol and hit the tentacles that way. And basically, just enough hits on the tentacles will take them out. And if you take out all the tentacles, then you get the achievement for beating the Kraken. But yeah. it just kind of nothing really happens besides that. So the first time you do it, you'll get the achievement. But after the first time, kind of like you said, no it's point. almost better to sail away after the first time once you have the yeah, achievement. Just, just yeah, I definitely think they're going to increase the difficulty at a later date. So as right now, it's very easy. But I think at a later date, it will get a lot more difficult, which will be nice because it's supposed to be. But one of the things we didn't mention with the Kraken that can happen, it can grab your ship and basically a tentacle will go across your ship and say you're using your sword to slash that tentacle, then it'll kind of ink your face with poison ink, sort of like if you got stung by a snake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I've actually never had that happen to me. Right, yeah. That's kind of what I was saying too, where when you grab your ship, that gives you a chance to actually slash the tentacle with your sword, but... Yeah. Then you get poisonous ink on your face. So yeah, it is kind of interesting when that first happens to you. It's like, what happened? But mm -hmm. it, I guess it makes sense. So I but wish I mean, it was a lot harder. I wish there was more. You know, um, like during that encounter, I wish there was more, um, like instances where you got poisoned like that, um, just because like it needs to be a little more challenging. Right. I think the coolest thing about it happening is. When it does pull you up in the air, that's probably the coolest part that happens because that doesn't happen too often. So when it does happen to you, it's like, wow, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, this is kind of cool. I yeah, think exactly. I think the encounter is really cool. Like, it looks cool. Definitely. Which I know a lot of players have complained about how you can't actually see the body of the Kraken. So hopefully they have that eventually. That would be a little uh, intense. <laughs> <laughs> it would. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially if you get dragged down and you're just looking into his face. Yeah. This is what death looks like. This is why we can't have nice <laughs> things. Well, hopefully it gets harder <laughs> in the future. But Yeah. 
I'm definitely looking forward to what they do with the Kraken, man. Oh, sugar me timbers. But kind of the last enemy that we didn't talk about yet is skeletons, which that's the one that... There's multiple keep, variants. Yeah, there's multiple variations. We won't get into those too much in this episode because we talked about that more in depth in the previous episode. But basically, you're going to have your jungle skeletons, your gold skeletons, your shadow skeletons. You'll have your regular ones. You'll have your boss skeletons and your ones with the blue bandanas. So there's all the types you can have. Yep, so pretty much... Um... Swords for flowers, keep them away from water. Uh, Goldie boys, water, instant yep. kill. Um, Gunpowder. With blunder powder, yeah. Or, sorry, I said blunder powder. Wow. <laughs> uh, blunder bust or uh, gunpowder barrels if there's a herd of them. Honestly, you don't even need to use your, your gunpowder barrels on them. Um, save those. Yeah, you don't really. Yeah, just, just use water. You, you can actually take buckets of water and just splash it on them. Uh, the shadow ones, uh, lantern and swords, uh, if it's Or try to fight them during the day. Yeah, if you fight them during the day, then just use swords. Um, and then the regular ones, just anything that I just mentioned, uh, (laughs) throwing water on them will not work. Uh, it's kind of pointless. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the skeleton thing. Um, I mean, like I said, keep your TV turned up because, uh, you can hear when they spawn. Right. And where they spawn, too. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I wanted to mention about the skeletons is just kind of use your terrain to your advantage and don't let them surround you. So, you know, if you see a big hill or something or you see a rock, like maybe get behind that rock and kind of take some pop shots at a couple of them and then run in with your sword or something. Uh, You can lure them out to the beach and you can have, um, you know, your crew. Right, use your cannons yeah, or something. Yeah, use your cannons on them. And, uh... Yeah, it's pretty easy encountering uh, with skeletons. You know, you just gotta you gotta work as a team when it comes to taking them down. So, and one of the better tactics too, I wanted to mention is using the sword lunge on them, especially with the jungle ones. It works well. Do you want to explain real quick how a sword lunge works? So, if you ever play Legend of Zelda and you're like, "Hiya," it's, it's essentially that. <laughs> right. Um, you you literally just dash into the enemy with a sword. And uh, then you pause for a minute, so it, or a couple seconds, sorry. So it's best to, you know, use it wisely, um, right? Because it gives the enemy a couple seconds to attack you, but it does do a massive amount of damage. Yeah, and you can usually one shot like jungle skeletons, especially. Yeah, yeah, much. jungle jungle skeletons. You know, um, like I said, just keep them out of the water and swords. Just keep doing like like a captain. That's a flower boy. Sorry, I just call them boys. Um, but for flower boys, you just um, I just just dash into them repeatedly with that, and it'll be easy. So yeah, definitely. And kind of like you said too, where you get paused for a second when you do the sword lunge. So definitely plan out a little bit. You know, if your enemy is moving towards you, kind of I don't plot don't, to where like they're going to be. Dash into like. Or don't lunge into like a horde of them. You know that's, you know, use common sense when you do that. <laughs> Unless they're lined up. If they're all in one row, then it is nice to use the sword lunge because you hit all of them at once. But it depends yeah. how it is lined up. Like if they're spread out. Right. Exactly. But that's kind of all the enemies. Um, now we'll get into a little bit of like tips that you can use in relation to the trading companies when you're out in the world. 
So for example, one of the tips is um, Merchant Alliance orders can be filled on any island, but basically there's two of every animal that spawn on an island, or sometimes one, but you can only have a max of two. So like say you're looking for pigs and chickens, there's islands that have pigs and chickens, there's islands that have snakes, but you're never going to find all three at one island. So keep in mind that you will only have up to two of animal type at one island. Yep, that's true. Um, and always, you know, um, when it comes to animals and stuff, if you find cages, don't leave them sitting. You know, just always bring those back to your shit. Uh, right. You know, because you never know what you're going to encounter or what you're going to need. Um, which is funny because every island I've come across, um, like if it has like pigs and snakes, I'll find a chicken coop. You know, if it's if it's chickens and um, you know snakes, I'll find like a, a pig cage. You know, it's it's funny. So yeah, you usually get the opposite. So yeah, very <laughs> at least very you have an extra cage. So yep. And keep in mind too. I mean, some players feel differently about it than others, but. If you do want to find it, there are um, guides out there that show you what animals spawn in each island. So you can check that out if you do want to. Some players don't yeah. you know, want to use that, but if you wanted to use it, they're out there. And some of them are pretty um, uh, pretty self-explanatory. Like when you come across Chicken Coop Island, um, what do you think spawns there? <laughs> exactly. I don't know, pig? <laughs> or Snake <laughs> Island, so... <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, definitely. Like, guys, I know IGN has some of them. But one of the other tips is with the Order of Souls, the skeletons usually spawn in places that are a little bit harder to access. I mean, occasionally they do spawn right on the beach when you walk up, especially on, like, smaller islands. But if it's a bigger island, it's usually going to be spawning in, say, like, by a cave or, like, by a really high access point. So keep that in mind when you're looking for your skeletons, especially on bigger islands. Yeah. Yeah, bigger bigger islands are definitely more towards the center and like caves and stuff. So Right. Yeah. But with the gold hoarders, a little tip is sometimes with the riddles, it can have items that are like very inconspicuous, so you have to really keep your eye it'll say I don't have an example per se right now, but it'll say like look for the drunken sailor or something like that and you're thinking it's going to be something that's really easy to spot, but it'll be like one little thing that's like on a side of a cave or, you know, one little thing that's like in some grass. Like sometimes it's very small what you're looking for. So just try to keep your eyes peeled. It's a spot. It doesn't tell you what that's like, what the X is. So like, don't just assume like it's a pirate game. So it's going to be a red X. Um, no, the X can be made of anything from like, um, like bones to you know, sticks to, you know, so that's something to keep out when uh, you're doing gold hoarder missions too, so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, some of the riddles can be tough too because it'll say something that is a little bit confusing or something, so. Yeah. Which is just, good. You know, I like work it. with your team. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I like the puzzle. Or, well, it's not really a puzzle, a challenge. Right, so. exactly. And within those riddles, a lot of experienced players will already know this very well, but for anyone newer, some of the riddles will uh, allude to, like, you have to play music to actually unlock the next part of the riddle, or you'll have to read your map or show your map to unlock the next part, or one of them is you have to hold your lantern up, so, like, it'll say something like, um, you know, buy the light of something, and you have to, like, hold your light up to yeah. actually activate that. Yeah. 
I definitely tell you, uh, definitely do what the rule tells you to do. Yeah, and, and I always find it funny, like, the most challenging ones, like, when you dig up the chest, it'll be like, God damn it, another saver! <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You never know what you, uh, life is like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> No, it is always annoying when you have like a harder riddle that takes you a while to find, and then you get like some crappy chest yeah. for it. Like, dang, why? <laughs> but yep. It happens. So, but one of the things that's sort of in relation to the trading companies with the environment that you said previously recording you didn't really know about is the double dig. So, yeah, I'll kind of talk about what the double dig is a little bit. Basically, when you're digging, it can be very slow, as we all know. You know, you're digging, you have to wait, and then dig again. But the double dig is kind of a little trick that you can use to skip the animation to just dig a little bit faster. So basically what you do is when you're digging, right as you hit the dig button, so you go to dig, right after you do that, you have to tap B and then tap B again. Because what that's going to do is it's going to actually cancel out the animation and then it's going to have you dig again immediately. Okay. So it's a way that actually helps you dig faster, especially if you're in a tight spot. But honestly, even if you're not in a tight spot, why wouldn't you want to dig faster? So yeah. just use it, probably. <laughs> Look at that. You just taught not only your guest something, but your audience. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Thank you, Master Splinter. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, I didn't even know about it myself until you know fairly recently. I think I found out about it like two weeks ago, but it's definitely a nice little trip. Because yeah, obviously waiting for that in animation game. help. Yeah, it just yeah. kind of like throws you in the game, you know. Like it, which I like. You know, you have to learn on your own. Right, definitely. Like I didn't even know there were instruments in the game until after the first week. On back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see that though, because you don't really use the instruments a yeah, lot. I mean, you, you only use them for some riddles. The, yeah. Yeah. Right. So. But one of the areas we didn't touch on at all yet, um, I will just touch on it briefly, is. Barrels of Plenty is one of the things you can find in the world. Basically, what Barrels of Plenty are is they're free resources that are floating in the water. So it could have been, say, like a ship, you know, dump them off to, like, save some weight or something on their ship. Who knows how they actually got there. But basically, they're barrels that you'll find floating in the water. Usually, you'll see seagulls floating, or not floating, but seagulls, like, flying above them to kind of indicate where it is. And when you go into these barrels, they'll have cannonballs in them. They'll have wooden planks and bananas. So essentially, it's just free resources for you that are out in the world that you wouldn't have to actually go to an island to get. And along those lines, another way you can get resources, too, is with shipwrecks, which we did mention a little bit earlier. Shipwrecks can have planks, bananas, and cannonballs in them. But shipwrecks can also have treasure. So if you see a shipwreck, it's always good to check it out because you might find a skull there. You could find a treasure chest or who knows what you're going to find there. Yeah. But just some other helpful tips that kind of we thought of that we can talk about. Um, one of them is the sword lunge to move from your ship to the island or from the island to your ship. Can you explain how that works? It's pretty self-explanatory. You know, you're just in the water. Yeah, it's kind of like, like at the start. Yeah, you just kind of you just kind of play Jesus. You, know? you just kind of walk across the water. Just sword lots of so. Yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, you're just going to be at the edge of where the water is and just do your sword lunge and that'll take you essentially right directly to your ship. Well, It'll 
look I mean, like maybe uh, you, maybe you won't be going to your ship, but it'll just be like a faster way to move. Yeah, real quick. it'll look like um like a Megadon X when you do that dash. That's what it looks like when you do it. So yeah, and especially if you have to get away from Nylon really fast, it's a good way to get back to your ship fast. So. I would definitely recommend trying that if you haven't tried it yet, but it's a nice little tactic. Sure, easy peasy. And then also in relation to that, another way that is easy to get from an island to your ship or vice versa is by using cannons to fire yourself. So I know a lot of times when we pull up an island, I just use a cannon to fire myself into the island because say you want to get to a high point, you can get to a high point easily without actually walking there. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely use uh, cannons. Like there's... Um, there's one island, I forgot the name of it, but you kind of have to use your uh, cannon to get to a certain spot. Um, so, I mean, those cannons are definitely definitely useful. Um, they're also good, like, when you get close to the skull fort, you know, because you got cannons bombarding you. You know, you normally have, like, one guy get off your ship and uh, go take care of the cannons, you know, that are bombarding you, so that way you can park, um, you know, like, parking, you know, with your ships, like best banner spots and stuff like that. But um a right, lot of, yeah. A lot of the forts uh you know, you kinda have to park in between the two towers so that the skeletons don't fire on you. They'll fire at other ships instead. Uh, you know, because they only have so far of a distance to shoot you know, before you you do, you know, moves like that, like regardless of where you're parking on the map, you know, like uh, whether it be a scroll fort or just an island. Um you know, when you have somebody bombarding, you always shoot one of your teammates out of the cannon and have them to take care of that power where that other cannon fire got you. So, and sometimes too, you know, like if you're on an island, you'll get lucky and you'll find a cannon, um, and you can shoot yourself back to your ship, and you can just adjust um, like where the cannons like point towards each other. You can just go back and forth, easy maneuverability. So. Yeah, definitely, and. We talked more about ports in a previous episode, so that goes really in-depth into that. But um, one of the things that relates sort of what you're talking about is you want to kind of coast into the islands, too. And we talked about this previously as well, but basically coasting into an island just essentially means that you're going to pull your sails up before you actually get to the island. And that will leave it to a situation where you don't have to raise the anchor to get out of a situation early. Say you see like a ship coming. Your anchor is not down, so all you have to do is just drop your sails, and you can get right out of there fast. Yep, yep. Do that. So definitely, I, yeah, I recommend coasting into Nile instead of anchoring. I mean, sometimes you really have to anchor if you weren't paying attention and you're about to hit, but it, it depends on the situation. So, But also, we kind of mentioned earlier, use your terrain wisely, like kind of like with leading the gold skeletons to water, but use like high ground if you need to to get away from skeletons or... Sometimes swimming into the water a little bit if they're chasing you and you need to heal real quick, they won't actually chase you too far into the water. So if they just kind of be mindful watch of your terrain. Though, yes. they will shoot at you. Definitely. Um, going underwater is normally what I try to do. Um, you know, when when you need to heal up, because they won't they won't fire down at you typically. A lot of times, what I do too is I try to hide behind a rock because. If they can't get to that spot, then they won't fire on me and I can heal real quick and then I can go up from behind the rock and kill them. Mm -hmm. sure. But just be mindful of your terrain and just use it to your advantage because your terrain is there to help you. That's kind of how I look at it. And sort of the last little tip that I had is kind of use the mermaid strategically. 
So what I mean by that is like, say you're having someone stay behind to get another round of supplies, they can just mermaid back to your ship. So instead of having everyone wait for them to get that last round of supplies, you can just take off. They can get the supplies and then mermaid back. So you can actually save time that way. Mermaids are also useful too. Um, uh, sometimes don't even use them, you know, if you're far away from your ship. Because let's say there's an instance to where you're on a fort um, and your ship sinks and you're the last person alive. Hide out, you know. Uh, that way you can, you know, give your uh, your teammates, like, um, you know, pointers on, like, what's going on. You know, you can be, like, auto capture spawned or... You know, sometimes, like, what I do is you can steal the key, you know, from the team trying to open the vault. And uh, you can just run away with it on the island and hide. Um, you can also, like, if you don't know which island you were on, your teammate can call out, like, yo, this is the island I'm on, you know. Um, right. Use that mermaid situations to where, you know, you need to get supplies, like, if you're driving by an island and you know you're low, you can just shoot somebody out of a cannon and they can just take the mermaid back, you know. Um, yeah, the mermaid's really useful. Um, it's really annoying when you're fighting enemies, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. And another situation that I use the mermaid a lot is what I call like the drive-by technique that I know a lot of players use. So say you're being chased by someone and you have treasure on your ship. What you can do is kind of drive by an outpost, have two people, you know, get off with treasure onto the island, cash it in, and then mermaid back to your ship. So yeah. basically, you can still be cashing treasure in while you're being chased. Watch out for that, though, because sometimes they'll predict your uh, your movements, especially if you drive by an outpost. Um, the other day, I encountered a galleon that definitely had loot, and they kept trying to drop by an outpost, and I started realizing a pattern what they were doing was they were having one guy jump off every time they passed by one right. while we were firing at them and so they could turn all their stuff in. So, Yeah, I've only had it one time where it came back to bite me. Someone kind of predicted what we were doing after a while, and they basically fired their team members with cannons off the island, so we, we were swimming the water, and they were already there to meet us. Yeah, that, so. that's what I was going to say. Uh, that's what I was yeah. going to go into was uh, the whole you know the ship I encountered, so what we had is a uh, we sent two of our guys to one of the islands and uh, we just, you know, killed them and started taking their loot every time they tried to do it. So, yeah, maybe it was me that you met. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> did you see a, uh, did you see a full, like, was it a, like, completely red shit? Uh, no, I think it was a regular ship at that, that one, so okay. I guess it wasn't then, but. Yeah, so I have a. <laughs> My ship on the game, I sustain the uh, the defilements. Um, I'm hoping they add, you know, uh, ship names in the future because they have uh, outside the captain's quarters. Yeah, they will be doing that. It's just not out yet. Yeah, so. outside the captain's quarters, they have an empty name void. I'm driving that for their names are going to go. But um, yeah, mine's the defilements. Oh, that'll be nice when they add that though. Yeah, my my friend's is Carnage. Yeah, no, watch yeah, out I mean for that ship because it's it's all red. Both of our ships are red, so. <laughs> Well, if I see and a we, red ship, then I'll know who it is, maybe. Uh, we leave our lights on, like, all the time, because we love, like, people coming at us. Because, like, when it's nighttime, we like to be a target, just so, you know, people that think they can take us can try. Yeah, I guess it's a good strategy, you know, <laughs> people coming to you more, so. Yeah. 
a lot of people, you know, just turn their lights off when it's night. They're like, yeah, no, I'm not messing with that. And then, you know, here we are, like, come at us, bro. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. But sorry for getting off track there. I no, no, you're fine. <laughs> But yeah, just kind of like we said, though, with the mermaids, I mean, that drive-by technique does work a lot. But if they're an experienced crew, they might figure out what you're doing and they might try to beat you to the punch, yeah. you know, using their cannons to get to the island. So do we just know, be mindful of where they're at. I've never actually tried to kill a mermaid, can you? Uh, I don't think so. I, I haven't really tried either, but... Huh. Well, actually, there's probably a caveat to that. I mean, with some of the content updates, you probably will be able to kill some. But the ones that we have in the game right now, I don't think you can kill. But I think there will be mermaids in the future that you can fight, probably. That'll definitely be interesting, especially, like, you know, if they're trying to help, you know, somebody. That'll change a lot of things, really, because you can trap players on the island if you kill the mermaid. Yeah, oh. and, I mean, the Hungering Deep, one of the rumors is it could be mermaids that you have to face, so we'll yeah. see. I mean, maybe it will be. I think it's a Kraken update, to where, like, if you actually get pulled inside the Kraken and stuff, that'd be awesome. It could be. That'd be interesting. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah, definitely. But unless you had any other tips for players, that's kind of all we had for the PBE tonight. So if people want to get a hold of you or if they want to contact you to find out more about Viperian Dynasty, how can they do so? That's something I was just like thinking about. Um, you can email me. Um, I know it sounds pretty weird. Uh, like you, you can do the Google technique. And you can just type in, you know, Google for Viking Dynasty, and I guarantee you something will show up. Cause we're all over Google, or all over the internet. Sorry, but you can email me at uh, methylist n e p h i l i s t at yahoo.com, and uh, I'll hook you up. Uh, if you have Xbox, you can message me on there. It's uh. Prince Viperian, uh, P R I N C E, duh, space, uh, Viperian, V I P E R I O N. And then, as for me, if you want to contact me or the podcast, you can use some of our new ways to get in touch with us. One of those is also by email. You can email theblazeexperience at gmail.com. Or another way to contact us is on Twitter at Blaze Experience. My old ways of my uh, personal Twitter and email will still work if you've heard those in previous episodes, but we have just launched these for the podcast especially. So those are the best ways to get in touch with the podcast. Or you can join our Discord in the show notes. I'll have a link to our Discord as well. So join our Discord as well. But I want to thank you for coming on. So thank you very much. Yep, yep. Thank you for having me. It's my first time doing it's definitely something a fun like episode. this. So. <laughs> no, I think it turned out pretty good, and it's definitely going to be a good episode, I think. so. Yeah. But if people want to get in touch with, or sorry, if people want to listen to the podcast, the best way to do so right now is with Radio Public. Radio Public is a free app on iOS and Android. It's available in all countries. And the reason why this is the best way to help the podcast is because they actually they actually help podcasters and support them so if you want to support the podcast please listen with radio public the other best way to support the podcast is by leaving a review on apple podcasts so 
we do have Apple Podcasts as well, and we have other directories in addition. But yeah, do Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good way. But yeah, Apple Podcasts and Radio Public are the two best ways to help the podcast. So we really appreciate anyone listening, and please just send feedback our way and let us know how we're doing. So thank you again for coming on. Love you guys. Thank you. And thank you to you listeners for listening. So thank you very much, and we'll see you next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Blaze Experience.